Hello, and welcome to Introducing Me. I'm your host, Sarah. I started this podcast to get to know other people and lifestyles while discovering more about myself. Each episode, I will give a new guest a chance to discuss their background, culture, interests, or whatever they want to talk about to help increase all of our own worldviews. Today, I would like to introduce you to M. They are an agender author, advocate, and authenticity coach, and they're here to talk about their personal story and the good work that they're doing in their community. So I'm excited to get to know M and hear more about their life. So M, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Hi, everyone. Um, <clears throat> my name is M. I use they, them pronouns, as you can tell from Sarah's introduction, as well as gender neutral language. Um, and what that usually just means is you kind of just stop at human and, and let go of all the other niceties um, that tend to be a bit more gendered. What I tend to do with my time is a little all over the place. You know, my, my advocacy blends into a lot of my life. So whether that's writing, um, working on state legislation, um, I live in Illinois, so I focus a little bit more on those sorts of uh, local statewide legislation efforts uh, for pro equality. And then I do some coaching for parents of kind of transgender and gender expansive people. Um, so I used to say youth, but honestly, there's folks coming out at all ages and parents are of all ages. So it's kind of weird to say kids. And then you're like, I'm actually meeting a 35 year old kid, like adult <laughs> that this parent is trying to work with. Um, so I had created pretty much a, a course, which is being turned into a book called Gender Mindset Reset. And it just helps walk through essentially what my parents had to do in, in relearning how to uh, integrate me as myself into the story of our family instead of what they had assumed from um, my childhood and how I used to be referred to. Uh, and then along with that, it just kind of wherever I show up, I tend to <laughs> make a little bit of noise and just make sure that um, folks in the room are being as inclusive as possible. So uh, that can be anywhere. So that's, that's a little bit about what I do. And what was it like for you when you decided to break away from the gender binary and as you said, like your parents' journey, what was that reaction and how did you come to those decisions? So I think for me, it just got to this point of discomfort that was just untenable. I didn't quite know what I could do about it. It was just like, I just can't do this anymore. And this for me was um, pretending or working so hard to be something I was told that I was. And just really realizing like, that's not me. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, and luckily it kind of all started to unfold. I found the word non-binary in about 2015 and everything just clicked. It was like, oh my goodness, that's an option. Like that's an option. Well, that's exactly what I am. So like, I'm glad <laughs> I used to refer to myself, like, you know, when I would joke and, you know, some of these self-inflicted jokes are not necessarily the kindest, right? I'm just like, I'm the worst woman ever. Who allowed this? This is, I'm doing a terrible job. I'm really just missing it, like missing every single point here. And then it's like, oh, it's because I'm not a woman. Well, that makes it so much easier <laughs> to be like, oh, it's the same as being like, oh, well, I'm not a man. So obviously I would be doing the quote unquote man thing all wrong because that's just not who I am. So um, that kind of started my own like maybe personal alignment um, and just kind of understanding of myself and then slowly bringing my family in. Um, I think my, my dad and my stepmom kind of had an idea through who I was dating that like something was going on and they needed to update their language, but they were trying to be, they were trying to wait <laughs> for me to bring it up. They're like, Hey, do we need to expand or like change the words that we use when referring to who you're dating? And at that time I wasn't quite ready to talk to them about it. So I said, okay, like, yes. And can we put a pen in this? And I will come back to you when I figure this out a little bit more and found the words to best be able to explain it. So um, they were like really great and kind of rolled with it as soon as I, I brought them in. Um, my mom was a little bit more difficult just because our relationship had been so close and a lot of her identity was tied with, you know, being a mother of a daughter. 
And so for her, that was really difficult to try and um, detangle. And to this day, like we're still working on it, but she's trying. It's just one of those where it's like, it's, it's a huge mind shift. Um, and I had to do that for myself, but it was a bit easier because I knew what it felt like versus like, they do not know what it feels like to be transgender. They don't know what it means like to be agender. They just know what it's like to live their life. So trying to find that bridge of communication of like, okay, how can I explain this for you to kind of understand so you can get into the, um, the swing of things and how to refer to me and that will become more natural as you work at it. So that's kind of like the broader picture of it um, with obviously many, many details cut out, <laughs> but that's like the, the, the big picture. Right. So overall, uh, a good sort of situation. So can you talk a little bit about what the word agender means? Because like, first for you, it was like, oh, non-binary is an option. And now you're using agender. Yeah. So that was definitely a journey. So finding non-binary was just like, oh, I don't have to pick man or woman because I felt a lot of not woman in my life, but I also was like, I'm not a man. So I felt like, oh, well, I guess I'm stuck here. So once there was kind of like another option, like, awesome, I will just go with that and we'll figure that out. Um, at first, I didn't want to use the word transgender because I felt like I didn't suffer enough to use it, um, which is, you know, not how labels work. <laughs> and also um, just a little bit naive to be like, well, but if that's my experience, then that's the word that I, I have ownership over if I want it. So I'd be, you know, I started to use that a little bit more. Um, there was a word in between, which was transmasculine, which I started to use a little bit, mostly in like dating situations to try and describe like how to not expect femininity from me in a dating situation, which again, when you're using a word for other people, instead of for yourself, it usually doesn't work out very well. Um, but I used that for a little bit until people would started to put a lot more masculinity on me that I wanted. Um, and then it was just like, that's what they would describe me as because that's how they saw me, but that's not how I was. So that then transitioned into using agender. I've been using that for several years, which is just like, there's, there's no femininity in me. There's no masculinity. It's just M. And, you know, how people read me is up to their personal experience. So I can be walking down the street wearing the exact same thing and I'll get mammed. And then the next person will sir me. And then we'll kind of go back and forth and just kind of depending on how they feel on a certain day, like I'll be read differently. And that has nothing to do with inherently who I am. It's just how other people were taught and how other people see people and categorize people. So with agender, it was just me really owning into the fact that I'm just M and I, I am my personality traits. I am my history. I am, you know, my skills and my talents, but there's not really anything gender related and limiting to what I can do or be. It's just, it's just me. So that's kind of where I'm just like, there's, there's nothing going on in here, <laughs> which um, I, I feel as strongly, I think, as I know that as much as other people know that they're a woman or know that they're a man, I know that I am a gender. So it was just like the journey to find that word maybe took a, a couple detours. <laughs> right. Now, do you have any recommendations for, like, if somebody needs to get somebody's attention on the street and they don't know their name and they don't want to use ma'am or sir, or they just want to go with a more gender neutral term, mm -hmm. do you have some examples of terms that people can use, whether you know the person or not? Because obviously, like, if someone knows you, they can just be like, hey, I'm. Right. Um, but if they're running into you and be like, oh, so sorry, and then they, like, default to sir or ma'am. So, uh, I mean, usually if you do the excuse me loud enough and directed and some people can kind of just like pick up, they're like, oh, I think that's, I think that's me. Let me check. Um, uh, like you works. I'm, if I, if I really have to, if there's like lots of people, I'll be like, Hey, red jacket. Cause you know, if you're wearing a red jacket, you know, so, and that's like, like just to be like, Hey, like, um, you know, I'm, I'm meaning to talk to you, but generally I don't use any honorifics at all. So for anyone. I don't, I mean, that's not necessarily true. If someone uses honorifics towards me and I can tell that they're, that's what is comfortable for them, I'll use it towards them. Um, I find that in certain communities, like they're, 
they grew up saying yes ma'am no ma'am yes sir no sir and so i will mirror them to make kind of make accommodate them and make them feel comfortable but for myself i don't there's no sirs there's no ma'ams there's no mr and mrs blah 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 like what is your name that's what i'm going to call you but i also think that that comes from a little bit of my background um which is just the egalitarian nature of everybody like every person is the same everyone is on equal footing and all of those honorifics are kind of intended to show status and to show someone that is like above you um so for me that's just like as a personal philosophy is like almost even as a family philosophy of what i was taught i already didn't have that in me and then <laughs> with like agender non-binary i'm like yeah i don't even have a word that i would want to replace that with they're just Again, if you don't know the person and you're really trying to get their attention, you know, describe what they're wearing is usually a pretty safe bet. Um, or if you say, excuse me, sir, and they turn around and it's like, maybe not a sir, you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then you move on with like whatever you needed to do. It's it's okay if you make a mistake. It's just more just like, oops, I apologize. Instead of being like, sir, ma'am, uh, sir, no, wait. <laughs> it's just like when you get really like uh labored with it that's when it's like okay all right what do you need so i can end this social interaction as quickly as possible um but yeah so that would be my recommendation um and i think that would work on most younger people nowadays it would just be you know just to keep it even even steven and don't even worry about it right now do you find that you run into situations, say, like filling out forms or doing certain things where they're like, no, you must have an honorific or no, you must list male, female or very specific things. Are you starting to see a bit more inclusivity in that? Um, that is the bait of my existence and has been, I think, since I really um, owned my non-binariness. And I've done some work to to try and loosen that a little bit. Um, at least in, in Illinois, we've done a little bit of a better job, but it's just one of those huge system things with trying to get people to really understand like why this change needs to be made. And then, you know, running into the, oh, well, the, the computer system, the way that it was built can't function like that. So we're going to keep that inequality there. Great. Um, for instance, two years ago, we did pass... Um, a law in Illinois to add the X gender marker onto state IDs. However, um, it's it's going to go into effect the next time they update the system because actually in your driver's license number in the state of Illinois, your gender is coded into it. It's binary code. So depending on the numbers, they can tell if you're flagged as M or if you're flagged as F. So there was no way for them to add a third option. And so it's just like, okay, well, whenever we update the system, it's like, well, how long is that going to take? Oh, probably three years, maybe five. So it's just like, okay, great that the law's on the books, but in the practical application, it doesn't exist. Um, and other forms like marriage licenses, you know, husband, wife, and like switching that to spouse, and then realizing that marriage licenses are actually on a county level. So even if you make changes on a statewide, you have to go county by county. And as you might know, some counties might not be as uh inclusive or welcoming to that change or feel the need that they need to have that change because they don't have quote unquote those kinds of people living in their community it's just a whole rigmarole so yes but um i i see those system things the one time i had a really good interaction though is i was trying to go i was coordinating a date to the adler planetarium which is in chicago and part of the ticket process is you have to put an honorific and there's a drop down menu and it's a huge drop down menu. It's got like father, it's got admiral, it's got like all sorts of honorifics, but there was no gender neutral honorific. And both me and the date that I was taking would have used the gender neutral honorific if it was required. And I sent an email to the planetarium. I said, hey, listen, you live in Chicago. You gotta, you gotta do better on this. You gotta have either another option or don't make it required. And literally within two business days, they updated and they added MX, which is a gender neutral honorific to the drop-down menu. And they said, thank you so much for bringing it to our attention. We talked about it and made an immediate change. And we hope to see you at the planetarium soon. Like it was like so quick. I was like, oh my goodness. But do I have to do this to every single 
forms and like run across that either um you know requires an honorific and doesn't have the correct one or um again for me personally i would prefer the option to not have an honorific to not make that required but again that's another sort of i would maybe call it alternative viewpoint most people are assuming that you want an honorific and i really don't and i don't know <laughs> if people really care about that anymore uh if we'll see that change but yes so that is uh, a very easy way for me to tell how inclusive a company or um you know, a city is or kind of wherever I'm having to put this information in, if they don't have that there, I'm like, ooh, okay, strike one. <laughs> like we gotta, we gotta start being on our, uh, on our toes here. This is like a, a yellow to red flag uh, of my experience. So there's just a lot of rules and a lot of people who don't know that there are rules in place or how to fix them. Um, so I think I, I think I noticed it. It has gotten a little bit better. But we, there's just a long way to go. It's it's everywhere. I mean, it is everywhere. It makes the society is coded based on gender, top to bottom. I think every person living in society can agree that society is, is like separated by gender. And when you're not even on the list of the possible genders, you really see it. Even when you're just like, oh, I don't really care about that. I'm like, yeah, but now that annoys me. I see it. And now I can't, like, now I don't want to go to the planetarium or like wherever else that I'm going. <laughs> like, this is just putting me out for being in society. And uh, it just is, it can be a lot, especially if you're already having a bad day and you're like, no, and they won't even let me go to the planetarium. I'm going to have to misgender myself to go to the planetarium. This is ridiculous. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think more people are aware of it now, but it's slow changes. It really is. Yeah. And I think with the honorific thing, as kind of you were saying it like so ingrained, um, whether it's in the vernacular of like, no ma'am, no sir. Um, and even just like on mail that people of an older generation are expecting like even the like Mr. and Mrs. husband's full name. And it's like the Mrs. has a first name and it is not <laughs> her husband's name um, that like there's that part of the generation where you don't necessarily want to offend them by like completely dropping it. But then also as younger generations continue to come up and more and more people are being aware of the need for inclusivity, then hopefully it continues to get better. Yeah. I would say that I even know um, women who are very upset when they get misses. I was like, it's Ms. There is no Mr. Thank you. And I'm like, wow. So like this, I really don't think the system is working for many of us actually. <laughs> So I think it's okay that we all agree that it's time to phase that out. Um, but, you know, I think I know way too much about honorifics because, you know, trying to find, okay, well, what's the gender neutral one? And it's MX and I, it's pronounced like mix. Listen, this is all French. Okay. Like, I still don't know why we're using French honorifics and like that it's, again, it's a social caste kind of thing. And it just doesn't quite fit in with, and you know, us like being in America, it's just like, that doesn't, doesn't really make sense with what this country is like purported to be. So why are we still doing this? Um, but yeah, so, and I think French even has more gendered um, bits of their language in terms of feminine nouns and, you know, masculine nouns and things like that. So even asking them to be like, Hey, do you have a neutral option? Be like, what, 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 like, what is even happening? So yeah, I think I would, I'm hoping that that'll get easier or at least the people building the systems will get wise to making that not a requirement. Um, but that's such a cultural thing and every company has its own culture. So we're, we're going up a really steep hill. <laughs> and have you been able to surround yourself, whether like in work or of course, like personal life with people who are more inclusive and are opening those doors? So my personal life, I call it my bubble. I'm definitely in a very queer bubble. I have like crafted it so that like all of my friends, you know, use my name and my correct pronouns. And it's a given. It's not even a big thing. So that when I'm just trying to exist as a human and like hang out with friends, I'm not like thinking constantly like, oh, I'm going to misgender me. Oh, how's it going to go if I have to correct them? Like 
because I already know, first of all, it's not going to happen. And if it even did, they know how to politely be like, they, wow, where the hell did that come from? You know, like that everyone does mess up every once in a while, but I definitely in my personal life and it does help too, when you're doing a lot of LGBTQ advocacy, you tend to be around people who are a little bit more uh, wise to the ways of, of gender neutrality and proper pronoun usage. But not everyone in the community is like that. Like I get misgendered by other queer people as much as I get misgendered by cisgender and like, you know, straight cisheteronormative people. Like it's not, you don't get a free pass being in the queer community. You know, like you don't get to misgender me just because like you're a lesbian say like, nope, sorry. Like that's not, (laughs) that doesn't count. That doesn't work at all. Um, So I think in the personal sense, I definitely have. um, And then in the work, place I did add my pronouns to my email signature and some people use them (laughs) and many people uh do not and it you know I have kind of added that into where I've been working they had previously been using different pronouns for me and I allowed it even though on a personal level I didn't use those pronouns anymore I've been using they them for years but, you know, in a professional setting, especially if I'm like helping customers on the phone, like I'm not going to ask every single customer, um, you know, if I'm doing consulting work, that's like separate from my coaching. Like if I'm just doing consulting stuff, um, like I do some financial consulting, then I'm not going like, to think that they're going to hear my voice and be like, ah, this is they, them. Like that's not going to happen. So if they use she, her, I'm like, okay, <clears throat> yeah, okay. How can I help you and like get you off my line so that I don't have to worry about it. But in like the corporate business setting, oof, that is, that's a whole thing. People who work really closely with me do a really good job and have their teams, like they're on their teams to be like, Emmy uses they, them pronouns, like they, them, like they'll do the correcting for me if I'm not even in the room. So um, I would say in the business world, uh, oof, yeah, not doing too great there. Um, and then when I'm doing other advocacy work and other coaching work, when I'm just kind of out in the world, I'm usually the one that brings it up and starts that conversation and asks people to be more inclusive and starts with the, oh, actually it's they, yep, them. I don't use that word actually, like can we not use ladies, even though, you know, I understand there's a lot of other women in this room, but I'm here. So it's like ladies. And then I'll make a joke like ladies and them, you know, trying to make it a little a little funny, but but also being like, hey, just like just checking that you know that that's that's not a correct word right now based on who's in the room. So it's a bit of you know a mixed bag, and I know it will continue to be like that for the rest of my life. Like I'm hoping that like the percentage will be a bit better, and more and more people will move towards gender neutral language or will know how to navigate it when I bring it up. They're like, oh, thank you for letting me know. I will make sure to use they, them for you going forward. It's just really early. It's really early for that. Um, And there's just a lot. There's a lot um, of communities and a lot of history to try and shift um, by asking that of people. So that's why, again, I have my little queer bubble. So there are times where I'm like, nope, I am just gonna stay right here and be comfortable and not have to worry about correcting people every 30 seconds about my pronouns um so it it does have to happen like that sometimes and do you ever get tired of doing that and getting really like down and out about it Ooh, I used to I used to be so worn I mean it is extremely tiring so even now that I feel like I carry it a lot better if I'm in those spaces too much and constantly doing, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go, you know, have a solo day and not talk to anybody because I just need to recharge and not have to worry about that. Um, There's sometimes where I can't, like, I don't have that luxury to step away. And I do have to kind of be in the thick of it for really long. When I was just coming out, like it was super painful. It was like, it was like a slap in the face every single time that it happened. And now it's it sucks, but I I think I'm just like oh, okay. all right let's let's just get through this and and get back to where this is this is not going to be happening I'll just be removing myself from the situation so 
Um, and I think that's also a very personal thing where depending on who it is and where they are on their journey, you know, you're going to have some people who are very reactive. Those are not my pronouns. Stop calling me that. You know, like they'll get really um, strong with it because they're pretty much saying like, no, like, please see me. That's not who I am. You're hurting me by using those words. And it's like when you're when it's really fresh and really raw, like and you still need a lot of like. I would say maybe even external validation. Like, yeah, everyone needs external validation to be like, yeah, I see you. Yep, that's who you are. And you can have as much internal validation as as what as possible, but you're still going to want to be seen as correctly as possible. So, I mean, if you get, I guess, advice for if you run across somebody who is highly reactive and maybe isn't as gracious as I might be about correcting people's pronouns, because again, I've been there, done that. It's it's uh, it can be a lot. That's just trying pause, take a breath and try and understand like how painful that can be for them to hear that word directed at them when that's not theirs. Um, and we don't always do a great job. Like not every transgender person or person who's using different pronouns does a beautiful job every single time of correcting in a, in a uh, kind way, nor should we have to, but I think there's a lot of well, why couldn't you just have said that nicely? Why couldn't you, you just pulled me aside and let me know? And, you know, there's just, okay, okay, wow, we're splitting hairs. I think we're missing the point. <laughs> and the point is, like, please refer to people as they would like to be referred. And that that's just what we do in a respectful and polite society. That Like, that's it. Like, that's not, it'd be like, if you mispronounce my name, and I'm like, oh, actually, it's M. And if you keep mispronouncing my name, I'm going to start to be really upset. Like, uh, hello, <laughs> we, we just talked about this. Do were you not listening? Do you not care? Like what's what's going on here? So um I would say it gets a little bit better, or maybe even just I uh, you get better at carrying it. I would say it's maybe more accurate. Not that like externally it ever stops. Um I think as also again as a non-binary person and using they them pronouns, like a lot of people don't understand that they're using that all the time and that I'm asking them to use it consciously. And I feel like I'm going to be getting resistance for that again for the rest of my life versus like a, a more binary trans person who's switching either from she to he or he to she. Like that feels maybe a little bit more clear cut or known in the world. Like, yeah. Obviously you're here. Yeah, obviously you're she. Well, I don't think that anyone's gonna look at me and be like, yeah, obviously you're a they them. I hope to one day, but I don't think right now people I think people look at me and they're confused and then they're like, oh, now I'm nervous and I'm afraid I'm gonna say the wrong thing. And no matter what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna be embarrassing myself. Like that's what, <laughs> which I, you know, I'm I'm pretty much a marshmallow, honestly. Like, <laughs> like, I don't like to evoke that kind of feeling in people, but again, that's kind of on them. That's not really up to me um, to to super cushion their interactions with me. We're, we'll make it through. It's fine, but yeah. Right. Well, and the reality is, is if we can get to a point where like, yes, if the person in front of you is like confusing you because you're so stuck and a binary then just default to they them and if the person doesn't use they them then they will tell you um now on that same sort of vein i think we as a society or i should just say in general as a society attach gender very much to what somebody wears and mm -hmm. how they present themselves mm -hmm. So on your journey and throughout your life in general did you find that you were I don't know, like, like when you go to a department store, like trying to stay away from the women's section or like going back and forth or how, how do you navigate your physical appearance and expression? Uh, I feel like most non-binary people with me are that uh, kind of can float in between sections in the store. A lot of us just shop online and we just cut that whole that whole charade out. We're just not even going to be going into Target and finding like whatever it is. We just shop online. But, you know, I think for me, understanding that clothes are clothes and it's very arbitrary of which section that they're in. 
I remember as a teenager buying men's pants and shorts because I needed pockets and it drove me up the wall that I could not get some decent pockets. Like, do you remember there would be like an inch and a half in the front pocket? I'm like, what is that for? A chapstick? Like a piece of gum? Like what is supposed to fit in here? Um, and so I would get very annoyed. So I would, I would buy from the men's section because I'm like, okay, well, I, you know, I need it for utility purposes. That's where I'm going to be able to find it. So because I've, even as a child, I was a little bit more tomboyish, you know, I was, I was a steam kid in high school. So that was, my uniform was more like the band t-shirt and then jeans and either chucks or vans. Like it was a pretty neutral presentation. So if someone saw me in the men's section, they wouldn't necessarily be surprised. Um, so with that, that's kind of how I navigate it is because you also don't know what, who people are shopping for. Like maybe I'd be shopping for a loved one who is in that section. And that's why I'm getting clothing from this section or, or this other section. So uh, with that, it, it can definitely be a little bit difficult for me. I just think of what's comfortable for me, what's comfortable on my body. And that's the clothes that I buy. So they do tend to be more like a unisex or athleisure like kind of uh, more comfortable clothing. If I have to do formal stuff, I do like the shirt, jacket, tie, pants. So I guess that could be read as more masculine, but nowadays in fashion, there's plenty of, you know, quote unquote women's suits um, or that's, there's lots of tailoring with those pieces of clothing intended um, for women. So it wouldn't be super out of the ordinary. It is gender non-conforming in terms of, again, you still really equate a suit to being masculine, but it's kind of how you wear it and what you wear, right? Um, so, and then gender presentation wise, I don't think that, and I think this is definitely a me thing and not necessarily a non-binary thing, or like, this is not a rule that you can be applying to everybody who uses that label. Because again, we're not a monolith, no one's a monolith every person that you meet is going to be different. But for me, it's always been, yeah, like, how am I going to be comfortable? And how do I think I look the best? So like, once I finally got to like a quote, unquote, pixie cut, which is just a short haircut, and call it a pixie cut when it's an, a, a, an assumed woman, right? But once I got to that short haircut, I'm like, oh, no, this feels right. This feels good. And I look good with this haircut. So I will continue getting this haircut, just like everybody else finds a haircut that they like, and they just keep having that haircut, you know? So I'm not really thinking, oh, how can I look more masculine? Or how can I look more feminine? Because again, for me, clothes are clothes. And it's more how they fit on my body. So it's like, okay, I like buying from this vendor because the cut is a little bit more generous, or I like this fabric texture. So I guess for me, there are really no rules. It's just, well, what's going to work for me? which I think everyone really should be operating under that for fashion and just how you dress yourself. Um, but, you know, I don't know that I get crap for not wearing dresses because I think when people look at me, they're like, I can't imagine you in a dress. So it's okay that you're not wearing one. <laughs> I do every once in a while with my friends, like to show them my old prom photos just because it gets the most hilarious reaction out of them. They're like, oh my God, what is it? And I'm like, I know. It's really weird to see <laughs> me like that because it's like not, it's not me. It's not me. And so that's like off-putting. So with clothing and with gender presentation too, the lines are becoming more and more blurred as I think they should be. You know, a, a skirt is a skirt. It doesn't really matter. Is, is it a men's skirt or a woman's skirt? Like, no, it's a piece of clothing. It's a skirt. Who's wearing it? Okay, then it's that person's skirt. Um, and many people of many gender expressions rock skirts all the time. And I'm, if I see you walking down the street and you're confident, I'm like, I love your outfit. That's awesome. I don't really care if you have a beard or you have short hair or like, I, you know, like that's, that's not part of the math for me. I'm just like, yeah, like you really rock in that outfit or like that lip color looks great on you. Again, doesn't matter what else they look like. <laughs> it's just like, are you, are you rocking your style? Are you owning it? Are you confident? Um, and I think that's probably maybe even a more youthful take on it. I think that that's, again, where a lot of the younger generation are going, but it's hard. The older generations who were taught, no, this piece of clothing is only for this person. And if you step outside of that, that that is wrong and you're bad. And there's just a lot more 
moral failing happening about clothing than I think we do um, today, or at least in, in my, again, my bubble, my queer community, it's just not a thing. It's, are you rocking it? Are you confident? Are you having a good time? And like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, and that, that makes a lot of sense and is a, a good look on everything. And I think, you know, anyone can wear a skirt, just make sure what's under the skirt covers enough so that if you walk through the wind, that you're, uh, you're protected. Um, and as someone who bought pants yesterday, I'm now thinking like, did the pants I end up choosing even have pockets? Because that was not my concern <laughs> going in, but I did try on a pair of pants that I didn't buy for other reasons. And I was like, these pockets aren't real. Um, so if I do buy these, I will not have pockets. <laughs> the women's suiting really drives me mad because, um, I, so my body proportions, you know, I'll buy women's stuff because the proportions are just structured better from the women's section. But the thing about women's suit coats is that, again, they look like they have pockets even in the suit coats. And then there's no pockets in the suit coats. And then I go and I get a men's suit coat and there's like six pockets. There's like two, there's like three external and like two internal and then another like side zipper. I'm like, I don't know what all they are needing. Like why we have utility pockets in a suit. I'm not mad because I'm, you know, able to, to take advantage of that. But also like the differences of like, how did we, how did we go so wrong with pockets? Why, why was pockets the hill that they wanted to die on in terms of like men's versus women's clothing? Um, and, you know, if we just really want to call it back, you know, industrial age is when we started to really have pre-made clothing. Before then, all clothing was made for the person. So you could put in as many pockets as you wanted, or you could, it would be whatever size needed to fit your body. And that was that. And you weren't a number. You weren't trying to, to find your size because your size was exactly what the tailor made for you. So, you know, again, some of these quote unquote rules that we have are not even that old. Like they're not like our great, great, great grandparents had these rules, like maybe our great grandparents, but like before then we worked just fine without having all of these rules and separations. Um, but you know, that's, that's going down a little bit of a conspiracy theory lane that not everyone likes to go down with me. But if you're looking at gender in society, you, you run into quite a lot of those. So if you ever are in, interested in kind of how the underpinnings of society and like kind of how we've gotten to where we've gotten to, those are, those are some of the places that you can be looking. Yes. And and you reminded me of the fact that I wore a suit jacket a couple weeks ago. And while wearing it, I was surprised to realize that the pockets on it were actually real. And I just had to like cut the seams. Were they big pockets? I don't think they were that big, but I could have, you know, fit like the chapstick, which in the cold weather is useful or maybe right. like a packet of tissues or something like probably not my entire phone, um, but at least like a little bit. Now, I wanted to make sure I asked you a little bit about the different advocacy work that you're doing specifically in Illinois and the different sort of like bills and laws that you are helping further. And you've talked a little bit about it, but can you dive into that? Yeah, this year was a bit interesting because it was almost like two years squeezed into one because we lost a lot of time in the legislative calendar for 2020. You know, that that little global pandemic that was happening, you know, that that impacted um, what we had kind of planned. So uh, for me, I kind of float in between a couple different coalitions. It just kind of depends on who's doing what in a particular year and if they could use um, my skills. I do offer a lot of like, it's called sensitivity reading. And what it is is where um, you kind of get somebody from a population that you don't have experience in and have them read through things just to make sure that the terminology is correct and that they're not, we're not like missing anything. So when I'm doing sensitivity reading, a lot of mine is gender-based um, and trying to be as inclusive and gender expansive as possible. Um, and then I also do a, like a little bit of, of sexuality again, because like LGBTQ, like the whole umbrella. Um, but, you know, other sensitivity readers could be, okay, maybe the Spanish speaking population, just like making sure that things are included for them in a given bill. Like, is this available in Spanish or like translation services, things that you know, if you don't speak Spanish in the United States, you don't have to worry about because everything else is in English, just as an example. So I did, there was like a group of four bills for menstrual equity that happened this past year. Um, and 
again, using the term like menstrual equity and people who menstruate and menstruators was very important because there are trans men who menstruate, there are non-binary people that menstruate. It's not just women um, and making sure that that was included. And part of what we were doing, um, the bills that were put forth that I kind of read through a little bit had to do with making sure that there were free period products in all bathrooms. So not just the women's bathroom, but all bathrooms in um, six to 12, because it had just been high school, but as we might all know, uh, or many of us know that menstruation typically starts to happen in middle school. So it makes sense to have a menstruation product in middle school. Um, so it was like six to 12 and then also public universities, because again, they would either only be in the nurse's office or they would only be in the women's room. And again, making them free to make sure that this wasn't a barrier in terms of um, economic status uh, or uh, availability. So that was a huge thing. All that packet got passed. Uh, there was also, it was related to homeless shelters was another one, which again was free period products. But it was interesting because um, a number of people who were, you know, very in, deep in that work and really wanting to be as equitable as possible just totally forgot that there are people who don't align with like being a woman and don't use the women's restroom that could potentially use those products, but like maybe in a different bathroom um, or that they just would need them in general. Uh, so it was, it was cool to see the knowledge base grow. Like, oh, this bill is also helping all these other people that I didn't even think that it could help. Um, so that was really great. That one, all of that packet of bills got through both chambers of the Illinois state and then got signed by the governor. There has been some similar measures in California, but, um, I don't know if they got signed, but so that was kind of a, a big push for 2021. And then another one, which was a holdover from 2022 was comprehensive sexual education bill. Because I don't think that the sex ed bill in Illinois had been updated since like maybe the seventies, <laughs> it was, that was really bad. And so just making sure that kind of what, what the kids are being taught and like when they're being taught it, and we're talking not just about having safe sex or whatever. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about like kids, even, um, you know, in elementary school, understanding the correct anatomical words for things and like what is okay and is not so that, you know, to combat child abuse. If the kids know that's not an area that somebody should be interacting with, that's not like maybe my, like, without my consent, then they can communicate, hey, I was touched here instead of, you know, so instead of it being some insidious thing that the kids just don't know about, and then they get abused and like just this whole cycle, which with a little bit of education and support from the community could be eradicated, honestly. So it's it, things like that where, so we were working with a lot of coalitions with that one. Again, folks trying to eliminate child abuse, um, trying to update kind of how to be in a relationship and like what is maybe good practices for online and like so that kids know what sexting is and know that they shouldn't be sending certain photos and that they'll live on the internet forever and just like certain things where it's just like this is the knowledge base that these kids need to know now to have a safe life and this relationships it is sex it's knowing hey it's okay for women to be attracted to women and like that for men to be attracted, that there are also expensive genders. Families can look this way. All of these sorts of things that all of us wished that we would have been taught in sex ed. I don't know about you. I had abstinence only sex education, which consisted of a little card that I signed that I promised at the age of 13 to save myself until marriage, which like the joke is on them because at that time, technically, like I might or might not be able to get married to my potential future spouse. Uh, or me as a person be able to marry anyone. Uh, and then these shown lots of gratuitous and graphic pictures of STDs. <laughs> that's, that's what my sex education was. And so like learning on the fly, especially if you're a queer person, like you barely know about the opposite sex to do with that. And then you're just like, what is sex? And like how to have safe sex and to make sure that you are trying not to transmit STDs, that you're having safe sex, that like you know what to do when things happen, 
like there's all of these bits that you kind of learn on the fly and depending on what community in you might learn you might not you might end up dealing with consequences that you didn't want to deal with that it can be lifelong issues so it was just uh no i got i get really riled up about sex comprehensive sex education but so we had been working on that and then the pandemic happened so then that finally uh, went through and that's what we were working on for 2021 and again that did get signed and put into law um Unfortunately, we had to take the mandate piece out. So it's not mandated in Illinois, but like if you were to do sex education, like you have to follow the new rules. So baby steps, sometimes, you know, you put, you start off with a bill that is like your ideal bill. And then, I don't know, other people get involved and they're like, oh, we couldn't possibly pass this if it has this in it. And then it gets carved out. And you see this also on a national level where like you, you know, it's talking about certain bills that are in Congress and what they want to be spending and what programs they want to be included. And then things get carved out before it even actually becomes like the bill that they vote on and then ultimately what gets signed into law. So with that, um, I started doing that right as I was coming out, because, again, I could not see myself in society. The fact that, like, I didn't have a correct gender marker on my identification and that that bothered me because in that can pose a safety issue where people are like, uh, I don't think that this is correct. Uh, like, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. And it's like, well, actually, according to the law, this is the bathroom I'm supposed to be using, or this is the changing room I'm supposed to be using. And I'm sorry that you're uncomfortable, but like legally, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, so dealing with that. So that's when I first started. And then now just realizing how much of the broader LGBTQ community, the broader transgender community is affected by certain laws and that if I can help get them in a better spot, even if that bill or that law won't ultimately affect my life, that equality is, is kind of the direction that we're trying to go in and making society as, I mean, maybe the laws as reflective of society as possible. Um, the one law that I don't think that we really got through this year that will probably happen next year was, um, if you have certain felonies in the state of Illinois, you can never change your name. And there are a lot of transgender people then that means that, you know, if they had made a mistake or had the unfortunate experience of needing to do sex work or be involved in the wrong communities via drugs and whatnot in their earlier life, that even if they've come out and they've spent, they've done their time and they are working really hard in their community, that they will forever not have the correct name and gender information on their IDs and how dangerous and how painful that can be to live in society like that. So um, that was one of the most restrictive laws, I think, in the United States regarding that. Um, so we were working on trying to repeal that. I don't think that made it to veto session. I don't think that that ultimately got passed. So that will probably go again for this next year. Um, so just things like that, where again, if it doesn't affect your life, you probably don't even think about it. But kind of once you see how many things are like affecting my life or someone else's life, you're like, wow, we really need to make that change. That that makes sense. Like we would want to be kind and do that for others. So like, let's make sure that their life is, um, doesn't have to deal with the level of restrictions that can be causing harm, honestly. Um, I guess that's maybe a very Pollyanna way to look at laws, but that's definitely my idealism comes out because I have no choice but to be like, yeah, but we can be better. And, and to be better, we have to do the work. We have to change the laws. We have to like update these you know, old antiquated thinking that's, you know, these things are causing harm. Like we have the chance every single year during the legislative season to make, to change that, to fix it, to improve some, like many people's lives. So like, let's do that. Um, I don't know that many people are really chomping at the bit to get into <laughs> state politics. Um, but a lot of times it's just working with coalitions and other people who really care about it and working with the lawmakers of your area, um, going for us, going out of Springfield, which is the state capital and really talking to people and say, Hey, this is important. This is why it's important. Can I count on your vote for this? Um, you know, so that's just, that's just volunteering. I'm like, I'm not getting paid for that. I'm just, I'm just going and causing a ruckus just, I guess, for a hobby or <laughs> some greater sense of purpose that I have in my life where I'm like, okay, I got some things done for me. Let's get some things done for some other people that can improve their lives. So, um, but yeah, I'm not every queer person becomes some radicalized, uh, I don't know, social justice warrior or whatever you might want to call it. Um, 
but I think it's important that there are there are people doing that like quiet, tireless work of making sure our laws are keeping up with society and trying to do their best so that everyone can just live their lives as unaffected as possible, I think is the goal. <laughs> right. And a lot of what you said makes sense. And even as the point of just because it doesn't affect you doesn't mean that it shouldn't exist. And like, even the whole name change with the felony, like, not something I probably ever would have thought of and not, I don't necessarily follow the laws in the state of Pennsylvania to know what does or doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> that is just like, you know, it matters. And I will say my sex education was a little bit better than yours. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't take much. <laughs> don't remember everything we were uh, taught, but I do know it was we did learn some things and I very specifically remember my teacher who was younger having a day where it was kind of like, you could ask any question you wanted anonymously in a box. And it was like, there were some fun questions in that class. Um, so, but you know, that was the early two thousands, mid two thousands, somewhere mm -hmm. around then would have been when I was taking those courses. Um, and so, you know, there's there's still room uh, to be growing in, in a lot of these things. And it's good to hear that you are pushing for change, even if you're not getting paid to do it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think, too, um, maybe even, even feels better that you're not getting paid because then you're like, no, I'm not swayed by anything, really. Like, you can't really buy me because it's not, there's not really money happening. It's just trying trying to, to do better for others. Um, and then also just remembering back to, um, this, I guess is not necessarily sex ed. This was, you know, in uh, middle school when they split you out between boys and girls and they talk to the girls about menstruation and then the boys about deodorant and please shower. Cause you're going to start to really smell. Um, and then some of them maybe did not uh, take that advice for several years. Uh, but just understanding too, that like that, that system is also, not beneficial to everyone because then it's like, well, boys should understand about menstruation because they are surrounded by people in their lives who are menstruating. And it's important for them to understand that and to maybe not feel embarrassed to go in and get menstruation supplies if needed. Like it's just, it's just another thing that you pick up at Walgreens or, or, you know, your the pharmacy of your choice. Um, and that the, that people need to also understand how bodies are working and how they interact with one another. And just to think, to only kind of show certain sections is just a disservice to everybody. Um, and ultimately begets harm and trauma. Like, like having like the first time that you have intercourse and then realizing that you actually don't know what's going on and how scary that can be and be like, did I say yes to this? Is this how this is supposed to go? This is not what I imagined in my head. Um, and then just like, trying to figure it out as you go. I'm like, we can do better. We can prepare people so that they know when they get in that situation, if they want to remain in that situation, what to do with it, or how to be like, nope, actually I'm out. I would not like to continue further today. Thank you. Um, I think it's, it's so important. And there's so much other cultural stuff going on too. It's again, consent. What is rape? You know, like what is um, the line of when someone can say yes or no? Like, Hey, if you're intoxicated with any sort of substance, guess what? That's an automatic no. And if you continue on, mm, <laughs> you you are in the red zone, friend. Like that is that's not good. But that that's such a an insidious part of culture where like oh, but what were they wearing? Or oh, but they said yes. So like once you say yes, then you can't no take backsies. It's like that's not how that works. You can take backsies whenever. Like the second that you're like. I no longer want to participate in this. You can say no, and that's no, and that's it. Um, but such a small part of culture, like, and people understand that. And so there's, again, there's just a lot of hurt going on. If we could, if we could avoid that, like, let's do that. I don't understand why we have to continue. I'm also not one of those people that's like, oh, well, I suffered, so you have to suffer. I'm the opposite. I'm like, ooh, I had a rough time, and what I would have wished was to know a little bit more so I was a bit more comfortable so I could make the decisions that I wanted to make instead of feeling pressured. Like, I'm going to try and make it better for the people who are coming behind me. Um, again, that's probably more of a 
an ethos thing than it is like anything else. It's just like, yeah, I want to make it better for everyone else. I want to help change some of these systems so that all of these young, non-binary, transgender, agender, any sort of gender fluid, any of these gender expensive kids coming up behind me, I want them to not have to worry about seeing themselves in society. I want them to be able to go and take their loved one to the courthouse to get their marriage certificate and not worry about mis being misgendered on their marriage certificate. Like I want them to be able to just live their lives unaffected. So if I have to be the one in there making noise and making change and like getting some of these laws fixed and having a terrible time first so I can find what needs to be fixed, then that's fine because I just want these kids behind me to have such a better life. And I think a lot of us can get behind that. It's like, well, yeah, of course I would want like my kids. Like if you have kids, be like, do you want your kids to have the exact same childhood that you did with the same problems? No, you would sure hope that some of them got fixed by the time that these kids are going along 10, 15, 20 years behind you. So um, I think that it's just, can you see it? Like, can you see the glitches in the matrix? Can you see where there's these inequalities happening? And I can see it because I'm, I'm not part of the math that they had done when they built society and, or like Western society in the U.S., um, so that can be hard when you're like, okay, but I am here and I do exist and the government says that I don't, but I do. So how are we going to navigate this? So I think that that's probably the, the driving force behind a lot of what I do. It's just like, how can we just make this better? Like, even if it's just this one small corner and even if it affects 20 people, I think it's so worth it. If it affects more than that, great. But like, uh, that's enough for me. I don't. I don't need to be making these huge changes. I think ultimately they will be huge changes, but you got to chip away at it a little bit at a time. Exactly. Now, before I start to wrap things up, is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners? I would just, I guess like maybe my, my advice is to, if you're encountering a person for the first time who maybe you're not as, well-versed in their identities, that there are some questions it's okay to ask for clarification, like what are, what's your name? What pronouns do you use? Um, you know, what other words can I use to describe you or support you? And then just to kind of get on with it and kind of, and they're just normal people and to not maybe ask super invasive questions that you wouldn't want to be asked personally. <laughs> um, but that it's, I think that it's okay to make some mistakes so long as you, you know, really try and correct your mistakes because we're human. We're all going to be making mistakes, but that like, if you just, I mean, we go with the flow a little bit more. I think that it's just going to be so much better for all human interaction to, to act like that. And you can always just, I think that everyone has their own way of doing things. So I think it's okay to be like, Hey, can I ask, how you feel about this? Or can I ask you like what this means for you? Like what, what does being X, Y, Z mean for you in your life? Like, what do you, what would you like me to know about so that I can be in better relationship with you? Um, I think that it's great to ask those questions of everybody in your life, not just be making assumptions. I think the number one takeaway for me is that like, I do treat everyone as their own person. Like I kind of, I see you as human and that's where I stop. Like I'm not kind of going further down into gender, but it's like, okay, well, what does this human mean? Like, what does this human, like, what are they referred to? And you know, what's important to them? Like, I'm not going to be constantly asking my friends who have expressed a wish to never procreate when they're going to have a kid because they already know about them, that that's not part of their life. So then I'm like, Oh, what have you been up to lately? You know, like you, you kind of, depending on who you're interacting with, you should be able to adjust your communication. And so I think if everyone can do that, I mean, everyone approaches it with this agender mindset. So this gender mindset reset is pretty much to try and be able to help folks with the binary mindset uh, to make a little bit of space for some non-binariness, just to kind of add that extra option and to ultimately get to this point where you're kind of more in this agender mindset, which is just every, a person is a person. And like interact with that person as, as they are and as they need to be instead of this preset list of rules that don't even apply to everybody in that group always, all the time anyway. Um, 
and you know that it's it's going to be some work. You know, I'm not saying it's going to be easy or that it's effortless, but it's it's the right work to be doing to be in relationship with other people. So I think that that's probably the biggest takeaway for me that it's possible. You can totally, you know, add this extra area in your mind for the what ifs and the I'm not sure's. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, that the the fear of making a mistake and the fear of being seen as a terrible person for misgendering someone, like, okay. But if you apologize and you move on, you're not a terrible person. So we can throw that out. Um, I would say that that's probably the the biggest thing. The gender mindset reset again is kind of the story of my parents. It's kind of in the parent child frame, but it can be used for anybody. It doesn't have to be a child. It's literally anyone that you're in relationship with. It's anyone that you're close to. It could be a friend. It could be a coworker, or it could be just how to how to be a better person in the world. It just you don't even have to have somebody in mind quite yet. Uh, but these kids coming up are really queer and are really non-binary. Like I need to need to let folks know it's not going away. It's actually going to be a much bigger part of society and culture. Um, so start practicing now because it's it's gonna you're gonna start really seeing it, um, especially as Gen Z grows up. And I don't Generation Alpha, which I actually have some nieces and a nephew that are in that generation, little babies. I don't even know. I don't even know for them. Oof. But I would imagine if they're following Gen Z, it's going to be the, even a next level. So, Yeah. Now, at the end, with all of my guests, I do ask a random question. Mm-hmm. My question for you, since this is a video podcast, I am aware that you have tattoos. <laughs> yes. So my question for you is either like, what is your favorite tattoo that you have? Or like, what is the favorite part? Because you have sleeves, it looks like. I do. I have sleeves and then I have some other ones in various other places. I would say it's kind of hard because I also get into the question of once you get to sleeves, is that one tattoo? You know, like, is that, does that count as a whole tattoo or there? Because most of these were done like... At, like with the intention of it being a sleeve, you know, this wasn't just like piecemeal. So I don't know, like the overall ethos is like my family and they were kind of like totems for myself. Um, so I guess even the overall message is probably what's most important to me because it's just kind of a reminder of like who, who I am and what's important to me. Um, although I do have to say, I think I get the most compliments from my lighthouse which is on my forearm here. I don't know if the camera can pick that up, but I get the most compliments probably for that one. Um, but yeah, I, I love them and I'll probably ultimately get the whole body will probably be covered. But <laughs> um, just as a quick side note, the reason why I start I started with sleeves, really, I got my feet done, but like I really started and I did lots of sleeves. That was actually the first part of my transition because it was kind of my first rebellion on, on uh, being a quote unquote proper woman because, oh, good girls don't have sleeves of tattoos. And I was like, haha, if I have sleeves of tattoos, then they won't treat me like a woman. So I'm going to be able to like reverse Uno then. And any, especially with dating guys, be like, you know what? If you don't like girls with tattoos, great. Cause I'm not a girl and I have lots of tattoos. So I'm clearly not the person for you. <laughs> so it was a good deterrent. Um, but ultimately, yeah, the meanings are, are, kind of the same and I think I'm gonna love them I mean hope I'll love them forever right they're they're there until I am no longer here so <laughs> but yeah that's um I'll say I can do like a full little there's a phoenix on fire there we got the, like the lighthouse and some there's a sparrow we've got the door and ironwork and then I have bells here so we've just got a lot of storybook stuff happening, um, but I love them. And I love talking to people about my tattoos too. So again, not even really super gender related, but just like, yeah, that's just part of M. M has lots of tattoos. <laughs> All right. That brings this episode to a close. I will be leaving M's Instagram and their website in the description. So both those places will bring you to all of their consulting coursework, all of that information along with the gender mindset reset. 
So that is all there for you to go to check out. And of course, that will also be linked on our website. You can get to the podcast website through the description as well, which will also bring you to our Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. So I'd appreciate you going and giving a follow to those pages and interacting with the podcast. We always love to get more listeners and have everything shared so that these sort of great episodes can reach a wider audience for more people to hear these stories. And if you would like to be a guest or support the podcast monetarily, that information, of course, is in the description as well. And it's always appreciated to hear from more people. So thank you so much, M, for spending time with me today and to my listeners for taking the time out of your day to hear a new story. Until next time. Bye. Bye, everyone.